Welcome to the Creative Warriors Podcast, the female heart and soul of photography. Welcome back, Lindsay. It's so excited to see you and join us this week at Creative Warriors. Um, We are going to talk about mindfulness and balance in photography today. So I have a quick question for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, how do you handle difficult and challenging clients, collaborators, mm-hmm. or subjects? Because I know in your industry, you have to deal with a great deal of people, young, yes. old, and in between from birth to yeah, maturity. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So the quick answer to that, I'm going to focus on clients for this answer. Okay. Um, the quick answer is I avoid them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I um, I feel like in my processes and systems that I have in place, I have um, just, let's see, how can I say this? I established control early on and I established that I'm the expert early on so that I'm not... Um, put in a position where I can't do my best work. I feel like when I had my first business, you know, I would just show up wherever anyone wanted me to shoot. And I kind of let them lead the way. When I built my business for a second time, when we moved to Austin, I was having none of that anymore. (laughs) Um, And so, (laughs) yeah. I think one of the best things I did for myself was I created a location guide and I make my clients choose from those locations that I provide because I know the light there. I look for certain things in the environment that I want to incorporate. So um, it just helps me have control and it helps me to be more present and be able to dial into them in the shoot Um, because I'm not worried about what the light's doing or if there's people in the background. Um, It just helps me to deliver what I want to deliver. So if somebody wants me to shoot somewhere else, I ask them like why they want that certain spot. What are they looking for? I'll try to guide them somewhere else. If, if I don't think it will be good. Um, or if it sounds like a fun location, then I will go check it out before the shoot to make sure. Um, so I feel like overall, I've done a good job avoiding difficult clients. There's two that I can think of in my 10 years shooting other people that were really difficult. Actually, three. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I always, I have a policy of in my head under promise and over deliver and everyone's hundred percent satisfied. So I will go above and beyond to make sure that, that they are, even if I don't love doing it. <laughs> that's yeah. That's my, been my philosophy for work for years. Um, yeah. different industry, but same, you know, yeah. always try to exceed people's expectations. Absolutely. It's yeah. more fun that way. It is. And then they're, oh, that's so, you know, they get that, that, oh, yes. 
the awesome surprise at the end or or it makes you you feel so good. Yeah. You tell them it'll be done in a week and you get it to them in three days. You know, that's that's, also exciting. (laughs) Yes. That's my little, I do that too. (laughs) Kind of goes on. This question kind of goes, is connected to that, but um, because of your industry, um, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of competition I would think compared to other industries. Um, I could be totally wrong on that, but, um, cause I'm not a portrait photographer, so I don't mm-hmm. have that point of reference, but can you share strategies or tips for negotiating fair pay and recognition for your work as a female photographer? So fair as in your value, right. a lot of times we undersell ourselves. I see that across all industries. Yeah. Um, and Very then- true. If the, if everyone is you know saying well I should only make you know five dollars an hour because I'm only worth five dollars an hour, then the people who have been doing it for thirty years who know their worth, who you know a number we can't even describe, mm-hmm. that that puts a big gap in between those two two worlds. So how do you work with and project that value in your negotiations or your business? So, um, I think the first thing I want to say is in one of the business courses I was taking when I first moved here, um, I was on the phone with a coach and she, I was talking to her about pricing and she said, I think I was priced, uh, not very high, maybe 400 for like a family shoot at this time, it was six years ago. And she said, basically, like you're in the middle range. At that time, it was in the middle range. Prices have gotten so high on everything now. Um, And she said, there's so much competition where you are right now. And she said, you need to double or triple your prices. And there's not as much competition when you're priced high, which is true. Um, And... I took, I did that. I, and she said, either you can like slowly start raising your prices. She said, but you're going to lose clients along the way. So she said, you might as well just set them where you want to set them and build your clients from that point. And it was one of the scariest things I did. I mean, I went home and I did, I doubled my prices and, um, it was terrifying. (laughs) I was like, I wouldn't pay that much. That's not like, but I'm not my client, you know, that's not who I'm after. And it was amazing as I did, you know, all it takes is one person to book you. And then you're like, oh, it is possible. It's the most incredible feeling in the world to be priced at what you want to be priced at, have someone book you. And then you're like, okay, here we go. Whole new world. And I do feel like when you have higher prices, my fear was that I'd get more difficult clients but I actually feel like the clients value you more, trust you more, see you as an expert, treat you as an expert. Um, and it just puts you in a much better position. It's hard because it's often friends or some, someone who will be like, how much do you charge? And I'm like, well, you're not my client. You don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to hire me. You know, but 
I also think it's really important to take the time to do the exercise and write down like all your costs and actually figure out how much you want to make, how much time you're spending per shoot, like get really dialed in on all of that stuff so that you know that you're, what you're doing is worth your time because you are a skilled person. Not everybody can do what you do. So you should get paid for that. Absolutely. And in business, it's not just your two minute or your two hours of that shoot. Say yeah. it was all the time before, all the time after, and then all the years of experience that it took yes. for you to get to that point. So to achieve what you did in the time you did. So, um, and that people don't always see. No, know, they people, see well, you. The shoot was only an hour a, long. Yeah. Yeah. They see you pressing a button. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so we have to have that sense of personal value ourselves. Yes. To share that, obviously, with others. Now, it, it might seem like a funny question. I kind of dove right into finances and, and business. It's okay. And what does that have to do with mindfulness and balance? But my thought of that was... The more, at least for me, the more the financial aspects are kind of taken care of, the mm -hmm. more my mind is able to um, free itself for the creative part of it. Uh, so I don't know if that's how Absolutely. you feel, but that's kind of why I leaped that direction in your interview. Um, no, yeah, I absolutely agree. Otherwise, you end up feeling taken advantage of, burnt out. Um, yes. I, I absolutely agree with that statement. Okay. Um, so when you when you're thinking about the mindset of a photographer, the you know, the mindfulness, all of those words that we use in this industry, um, can you describe your personal philosophy or mindset, however you want to define it, when it comes to um, how you approach capturing image uh, people? in the environments that you bring them to, or do you have like a certain, you talked a little bit about it last episode about your, you know, your three words that are basically part of your style. So what else contributes to that philosophy that you have? Okay. So environment is so big to me in, um, or location and environment. And when I'm shooting people, I look for a variety of things. I look for texture, like in rocks or um, trees or bushes. I look for opportunities for framing. I look for opportunities that would bring movement to the photo, either like there's a lot of creeks near us. So with water, like shallow water or long, long reeds that would be blowing in the wind. Um, Obviously, I look for how the light plays on the environment and where it is and how I could do the most with the photo, um, combining the light and the environment. I look for opportunities to have reflections. Any way I can play with the light and the environment is um, is the challenge for me and where I find the most joy. And it's all about highlighting the subject with these things. So when somebody says to me, can we just take pictures at the park near my house? No, 
<laughs> That's not what you're paying me for. Just go use your iPhone. You know, um, I don't want houses in the background. I don't want people in the background. I want the subject um, as the subject and no fighting elements. I want everything in the photo to serve a purpose. So do you um, actually do um, a light study of the the places that you like to shoot? Yes. So you kind of know Absolutely. generally under good weather <laughs> yes. what the light's going to do? Yes. I That is a big part for me. I really, I will not shoot somewhere except for newborn photos in someone's home, but then I bring a light. Um, I will not shoot somewhere that I haven't looked at the light first and made some notes and have a flexible plan in my mind because just knowing what I want to do helps me to then dial into my subjects. You know, if I'm thinking about the environment while I'm there and trying to figure it out while I'm with them, then I don't feel like I can get the genuine, um, reactions and emotion, which is a big part of the photos too. So I want to be 100% present with them. So I always look at the location prior to. Very good. You're, you are very, very thorough. I love that. Um, <laughs> I loved, you used a term that I really like. I'm, I might adopt it, but flexible plan. Oh, yes. Which I think is a great term because you know we all know things happen rain happens clouds happen (laughs) wind happens (laughs) yeah I I feel like I forgot where I read it or heard it but I I heard that photographers during a photo session need to kind of think of themselves as a fitness instructor you know where fitness instructors keep talking throughout the whole thing to keep the energy up right I I feel like that's my job is to keep the energy up, keep them excited, continually be talking. And I feel like I need that flexible plan in the back of my head to be able to do that. So if there's like an awkward moment and something's not working, then I know, okay, wait, I'm just going to go to this pose and do this game with them. (laughs) Um, But I, again, like I have to know my location backward and forward to be able to be in that zone. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. So, now, do you do any studio work just out of curiosity or yes. just oh you do studio work too? I do. <laughs> um I there's a studio downtown that I'll rent sometimes. More often than not, I use that for branding. Um, but I'm doing some mini sessions there this fall. Um it's not my favorite because I prefer to have natural light. Um but it is nice because I can shoot at 10 in the morning <laughs> instead of like in the evening at dinner yeah. time. Um, and usually when I do a branding shoot, I'll do a combination of sort of a downtown around town and then we'll end in that studio. Um, so, yeah. The- Okay, that kind of goes along with my next um, question about staying focused and present at the moment when you're you're in a busy and distracting environment. So it sounds like you already have a plan to avoid busy and distracting environments for the most part. But um, is there anything else you would add to that in terms of keeping yourself focused during the the actual work 
or even during the planning or during the the marketing or you know how do you stay personally how do you stay on task and not you know i would imagine you have a home office yes oh that's <laughs> my home office is right by the kitchen too <laughs> and as so, a mom you have to deal with interruptions yeah. and so how do you navigate through those waters um Sometimes I wake up really early in the morning, like three in the morning <laughs> to do work. Or I do like working it in in the dark. It's weird. But when I'm editing or doing like marketing work or whatever it is, um, I do love working just in the dark. It's so weird. It's just quiet and peaceful. And I feel like I can focus really well. Um, I have little tricks. I think it's called the Pomodoro method where you work for 25 minutes really hard. If I have something that I'm like last week, I had to film myself for the first time for my course and I was dreading it. I was so scared and nervous. And, um, and I just told myself like, just get this one part done to just one video done today. You know, I just have to like break it down into smaller sections and celebrate the small wins and just inch forward, inch forward, inch forward. Um, but also that I, I got off track that Pomodoro method where you work really hard on something for 25 minutes, take a short break, like get a snack, don't get on social media. You know, I never have my phone near me when I'm trying to get hard work done. Um, for editing, sometimes I have to turn on, um, like a show that I've seen before just for some background noise, just to kind of help me focus in, but not something I really care about, just some background noise, you know, help me dial in. So upgrade your experience with our premium subscription, enjoy exclusive features, enhanced content and seamless extended interviews, elevate your enjoyment and personal growth with our premium subscription today. If you enjoy the Creative Warrior podcast, the female heart and soul of photography, please like, subscribe, share, and comment. Thank you. I heard that, um, well, music helps too, depending on what kind you like, but um, Mm -hmm. for editing, uh, you know, it seems like I hear a lot and when you need a little help with your creativity, there's also, you know, one glass of wine if you drink it. Um, yeah. is always very helpful. More than that is bad. Yeah. <laughs> that fine line. <laughs> There's a very That's fine true. line there, but it just, you know, again, it's one of those things that allows you to kind of let go of the, the you know, we tend to be very, at least some of us, you know, technical uh-huh. and, and, you know, uh-huh. but when we're stuck in that, the exactness of things, we yes. need to kind of let the creative part of us come out. And sometimes a glass of wine helps. I, I agree with that. I'm all for that. I like Prosecco though. I prefer Prosecco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. So now what do you think, how do you think emotions play a part in your photography? Like my emotions or yours or the other people, you know, the people you're trying to capture, how mm-hmm. does, and, you know, you can, however you want to answer that. Okay. 
Uh, well, for my clients, emotions are a huge part. Like I'm always trying to get genuine emotion. I have tricks for that, especially for dads. They're difficult. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also kids, I feel like I'm good about um, drawing them in and making them feel comfortable. I usually start out a session by having, you know, the young kids come over and I let them push the button on my camera so they can feel what I'm doing. It's such a neat feeling too. And I'll have them take a picture of their parents just to kind of warm them up. And because it's a lot being in front of the camera and all the different things going on. And I found that that is so helpful in getting the kids dialed in quickly. Um, so because I don't want them feeling, you know, shy or I want them to feel excited and trust me. So, and then my emotions, um, I don't know. I just feel like when I get behind my camera, even if I'm not in the mood to shoot that night, as soon as I get half people in front of my camera, it's weird how everything just falls away. I just dial into it and it, it feels like where I'm supposed to be, you know, and I get energized. I just get like so energized. So I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It's like a, a happy place for you. It sounds like. Yeah. You know, when we first moved, I was sad. Um, like really sad. And it was so funny because I kind of stopped shooting for a while and it was right after I had achieved click pro. So it was almost kind of like, Oh, I don't know what to do with myself, but it was so weird. Cause I, I was kept telling myself, I'm like, I can't find the light. <laughs> I can't find the light. <laughs> so then there, I had to let kind of give myself a break for a while, you know, because, um, I think that's important to recognize too. Like there are certain times where, for whatever reason, you just maybe don't need to shoot, you know, there's value in taking a break too and stepping back and um, not pushing forward all the time, but kind of just letting life happen. Just listening to yourself. Yeah. And enjoying the other parts of your life. Yes. Um, there's a interesting thing about creativity and the, just that, you know, I've been in a creative field um, for many, many years and have watched all kinds of ups and downs and turns and, you know, all kinds of things, sometimes inside, sometimes outside, um, very different field, but it, it's the same in no, in no matter what creative field we're in, that it's, yeah. it's takes energy yes. to be creative, uh, you know, fully. Yes. Which just like, you know, your physical body, if you're not eating, you have no energy, so the same is true with creativity. If we don't allow ourselves time to just take in the environment, yes. take in, you know, read a good book, you know, watch a movie, whatever it is, but allow yourself to take in energy, you run out of it. Oh, that is so good. <laughs> yeah, that is so good. It's I like that energy. And we have to feed ourselves. Yes. I started reading a lot more recently because of, you know, re realizing that. So I've been reading, um, just kind of a side note, but um, I read uh, like the 
the letters of Monet. It's called Monet by himself or something like that. Oh gosh. And it was just such an interesting thing to, to read about the mind of, (laughs) of an artist that I admire personally and to hear his struggles and to see the challenges and from his, you know, from, cause they were letters he wrote. So, so it just opened my eyes to all kinds of crazy stuff, but it was like, oh, this is so cool. So I learned the value of feeding myself through that, reading that book. That is so interesting. I'm going to read that book. You know, (laughs) another good one. Have you read Creativity Inc? No. Oh my gosh. It, I believe it's been a few years since I've read it. It's the story of Disney, no, Pixar. Oh my gosh. It is mind-blowing. Really? It's just the creative process and how they start. I mean, it starts from, I think, the 70s. It is just incredible. It's so inspiring. So, But it's been a while, so I can't really... I tend to forget things, but I do know I love that book. <laughs> uh, I'll look it up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, so when you are, you did a shoot, you come back, you've got, you know, I don't know how many pictures, probably a few in your, mm-hmm. in your calling process. How do you, your kids are needing you, your husband needs you, you know, life is happening around you, but you have a deadline. There's pressure with that, right? And pressure is mm-hmm. not always good for the creative soul. Sometimes it's great for the creative soul. But mm-hmm. for you, how do you handle that deadline pressure that um, I have to deliver? How do you slow yourself down so you can really be present during those editing sessions? 3 a.m. may be the solution. Um, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um Part part of it is that, yeah, especially during busy season is uh, I do a lot of late night editing. It's just, but I know it's just for a certain amount of time and I kind of look forward to it. It is just a season. Um, my kids know during that time that they have to be more independent. My husband helps a lot. Um, and I kind of like that they all just know that they have to you know, toe the line a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I do a lot of late night editing when I, after, right after a session, I come home, like I immediately, before I do anything else, plug in my camera, upload the pictures. Cause I've never lost any pictures, knock on wood. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's part of my my, my own pressure that I put on myself, I want to deliver those pictures as quickly as possible because God forbid there's, I mean, I have all these backup systems, but if something happened, I would just feel horrible, you know, especially a newborn shoot that's definitely time sensitive. Um, so I really try to just turn them around as quick as possible. And like I said, whatever I need to kind of just dial in to the editing process, if it's a random show or like you said, music or glass of wine or late night editing, whatever I need, I like to turn things around really quickly. So that longer it sits, like the heavier it gets on me, you know? I do. So (laughs) whenever I book the shoot, like I pretty much know when I'm going to edit those photos, you know, it's part of the booking process in my head. I was going to say in your schedule, do you, you put in, you know, there's the shoot, there's the edit. 
there's the shoot, there's the edit. You know what I mean? Uh, so you make sure you have enough time for all of the things you put in your, in your life. Yeah. I mean, I don't physically write that down, but mentally I do know, you know, okay. how many shoots I can handle a week. Okay. I unfortunately, um, I feel like I have a longer editing process than I should. I mean, I've been doing this for so long and I still can't dial it back. Um, I, I edit in Photoshop, not Lightroom. Okay. And I hand edit the photos. Cause I just, I feel like I don't love presets. Um, because I feel like different light does different things to presets. So, um, I understand. I agree a hundred percent actually. <laughs> I yeah. I'm just more of like a clean edit and I like, uh, I like it perfectly exposed, you know, like I'm just technically I, I like the photo correct. <laughs> I don't want any blown highlights. I don't want any clipped blacks. So I check all those things. Um, I'm meticulous about all the details in the photo. I clean up anything that doesn't belong. So, and I probably deliver too many photos. <laughs> it's a part, it's the one part of my business. I don't feel like I'm very good at, like I probably give, too much. And for the person that isn't a photographer, they probably don't understand that value of that, you know? So I'm not a photographer. Are you a boutique model or do you deliver like literal JPEGs or? Oh, so I'm all inclusive and I do, um, a photo credit. So with, I'm connected to Miller's lab so they can order, I give them like a $50 credit. Um, I, I think that's your question, right? Like luxury, like where you. The boutique is you don't actually hand them. They never get digital. They only get books. Or oh books yeah. Or, no, no. Okay. I, I, I want them to have their photos. You know, I, they pay me a lot of money. I just feel like I get a lot of joy out of giving them those digital. I don't think I would have the same joy dealing with prints. Um, But I do feel like it's important that they print their photos because I feel like that's where the celebration of life is, you know, when you're actually looking at the photos. So that's why I do the print credit. For a long time, I made a little book and sent them a book of their photos. Um, But now I just do the print credit. Okay. Yeah. Very, very neat. So how do you just, dis- how can you describe um, when you have, wait, can you describe a time when you had a difficult decision about how to allocate your time and resources in your photography work? Did that question? Yes. Make yeah. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So after I started using the Google ads and really dialed in my website, I started getting really busy, like really busy. Um, and I had, um, like my payment was through PayPal. I was just emailing through my email. I had forms going out on my website and it was overwhelming. So I invested a lot of time setting up a CRM, which is a client relations management system. Mm -hmm. I use HoneyBook. Okay. And I think it was like $400 for the year, which I'm always, um, 
it doesn't sound like a lot, but I'm always careful when I invest in anything. Um, and then setting it up was such a pain. <laughs> I accidentally emailed a bunch of clients, like a ton of email, you know, it was just, and I just thought, oh my gosh, is this going to be worth it? And it ended up being probably the second best thing I did for my business besides Google ads. Um, I am so streamlined now when I get client inquiries, it's so quick and easy and fast to respond because I have all these templates. I am able to say everything I want to say. Um, again, just establish myself as the expert and professional. Um, so I feel like making the decision to invest in HoneyBook, invest the time and the money or, or anything like that is so well worth it if you're really serious about taking on a lot of clients. Does that make sense? Yeah, good advice. Because, okay. you know, okay. some people outsource. Um, yeah. That's kind of a way to outsource, but just from a, mm -hmm. you're basically, you know, getting an automated system and the more automated we are, the the better more things can go us. wrong or the better things work. And, and yeah. you're right. It does take a lot of time and effort to get it set up. Yes. I'm in the process of trying to be more automated right now. So I, I completely understand. It is. It's a commitment to, to actually, and it's not fun, like writing all those email yeah. templates and it's why they call it work, out. I think. Yeah. <laughs> but, but once you know, it's it, up it, and going, it's amazing. Yeah. And you really, it helps you really think about what you're trying to accomplish. Your big yes, picture. So yes. it helps you kind of refine all those little details and hopefully answer the question that you get asked a hundred million times Yes, in the email. So you don't get asked that question again, you know, yes. it, helps you, it helps you kind of be proactive in your business rather than having to react all the time. Oh, that's a perfect way to say it. Yes. And it's a huge time saver. Which is good because then you have more time yeah. for life. Yeah. And which family. is the, the point. <laughs> yes, that is the point. <laughs> awesome. Great, great conversation with you again. I'm learning so much from you. Um, it's been really a joy. We'll have you back again in the next week's episode. And we're going to talk more about the voice of doubt. Okay. Those inner struggles that we most creatives have, whether they admit it or not. So we're going to talk about that again. So that sounds great. Then. Okay. Thanks, Ariel. You're welcome. Hi, this is Lindsay, and I'm so excited to share details about a course I'm releasing this fall. It's called Systems for Success. It's a three-month mastermind for the portrait photographer who is ready to scale her business to consistent four- and five-figure months. Um, it includes six modules that teach Google ads, setting up your business, pricing for profit, effective marketing strategies, keys to successful website design, SEO, and a great client experience. The mastermind part is um, includes a Slack channel for questions, website and portfolio review, two group coaching calls a month, and homework review. It releases on Black Friday, which is November 24th. And I am so excited to help you build the portrait photography business of your dreams that is profitable and sustainable.
If you're interested in being a beta tester for Systems for Success, you can contact me at my email, which is listed below. Or if you want to learn more about the course, you can look at the website link also located in the notes below. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Creative Warriors. We want to thank Lindsay Herkert for sharing her heart and her soul with us. We hope you enjoyed our fun conversation and gained some valuable takeaways. In our next episode, get ready to learn more with Lindsay. Remember to subscribe or follow The Creative Warriors on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. If you have any thoughts, suggestions, or questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to me at Ariel at arielfaithphotography.com. Until next time, keep exploring, keep learning, and keep the conversation going. Stay curious and have a happy artistic journey. Thank you for listening to the Creative Warriors podcast, the female heart and soul of photography. See you next episode.